and welcome to episode 66 of Barefooting with Sierra. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral land of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Ojibwe, Nakota Sioux, and others for time immemorial. I also would like to acknowledge that this land is home to the Métis Nation of Alberta, and that I am a settler on this land. My name is Sierra Larson, better known as Barefoot Sierra. I'm a novelist, comic creator, and independent journalist. I use they-them pronouns, and I have been living without shoes since 2010. I created this podcast to keep my audiences in touch with all of my projects, to talk about things I care about, and to interact with the awesome people in my various professional networks. I break this podcast up into four parts, novels, comics, journalism, and barefooting, each representing a different aspect of my creative professional life. And in each episode, I also interview a creative entrepreneur about their professional life. In this episode, I interviewed actress Gloria Garayua about her acting career and her recently launched class series. Let's get started. First up is novels. Thank you everyone who has purchased my latest book, Red 72 Revelation, so far, and extra special thanks to all of you who are leaving me reviews on Amazon. I have a few free download codes for the Audible version available for US and UK listeners. So if you email me or message me on social media, I will hook you up. Just remember to rate and review when you finish listening. My New Year's resolution was to read one book from the Texas Banned Books list each week. This week I read How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. This book is absolutely fantastic and completely changed how I view not only combating racism, but what racism itself is. I recommend everyone read this book. The only possible reason I can think of for this book being banned from school libraries is literally because Texas legislators are racists. There is no other reason for it. Why would you not want to combat racism? What other reason could there be? In novel news... In a blog update, George R.R. R. Martin said that his Game of Thrones book series will end differently than the television series. He said he's still working on The Winds of Winter, which, dude, it's been a decade. Let's go. Finish already. No one is going to be satisfied with the ending. I think the show demonstrated that pretty clearly. But write it the way you want it and be done with it. On the south side of Chicago on July 13th, groundbreaking author Sam Greenlee Jr.'s family and fans celebrated the second edition publication of his novel, The Spook Who Sat by the Door, with a Sam Greenlee Day on what would have been Greenlee's 92nd birthday. Greenlee's daughter, Natiki Hope Presley, who wrote the introduction of this edition, spoke outside of Greenlee's longtime home on Kenwood Avenue and signed copies of the book at the Book Joint in Washington Park. FX ordered a pilot of The Spook Who Sat by the Door in 2021, but did not move forward with it. According to Presley, the project is being reworked. She wants her father's work to be accessible even to those who would never pick up a book. Quote, there's an opportunity for us to be collectively organized to deal with the challenges of racism in America. There's a strategy. My father's work offers that strategy. Close quote. And that's what Presley told Book Club Chicago. Now on to comics. My family's been going through a lot lately, and I have been reflecting that in my comics. My latest pieces have been about my husband recovering from surgery. Every time I show my husband a sketch to get his feedback, he sees the little raccoon's bandages. He says, oh, his poor tummy. I feel so bad for the little guy, and he's not even real, but I feel bad for him because I know what he's going through. Uh, the most recent comic was of Robbie Raccoon having his first food after surgery, a cup of Campbell's tomato soup, and Petunia Possum not understanding what a beautiful experience it is for him to finally be able to eat something again. In real life, my husband's recovery has been super stressful and there have been lots of complications that resulted in multiple trips back to the hospital. Yay, hospital-acquired infections. 
Very glad I booked time off from work, even with it only being a part-time job, because taking care of him and helping him recover has basically been more than a full-time job the last few weeks. We're getting through there, though, and if nothing else, it's giving me material for my comics. In comics news, The Walking Dead will have a panel at San Diego Comic-Con. With the show ending after this season, it will be the last Walking Dead panel for San Diego Comic-Con with the cast and crew. Fans in attendance will get to access the bonus Walking Dead experiences. I don't have any information as to what these additional experiences will be, but based on past years, it will likely be exclusive early access to teaser footage from the show. San Diego Comic-Con takes place July 21st through 24th. Crunchyroll Expo is also coming up with announcements of who will be there still incoming. Sim, the band who plays the theme song for Attack on Titan, just announced on Twitter that they will be in attendance at Crunchyroll Expo and performing on August 6th. Crunchyroll Expo takes place August 5th through 7th in San Jose, California, with both in-person and online streaming options available. I absolutely love convention season. With everything that's been going on in my life this year, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it to any this year, which will make it my third year in a row of no in-person conventions. Boo, hiss, COVID. But health and family come first. And hey, maybe a smaller local convention will ask me to come again. I love it when they do that. All right, next up is journalism, which means it's time for my interview with actress Gloria Garayua. Hi, Gloria. Thanks so much for joining me on the show. It's great to have you. You Thanks, tell us a little. Sarah. Tell us a little about yourself, where you're from, and how you got started with acting. Oh, sure. Um, so I'm originally from New York City, born and raised, uh, and stayed there until I graduated college. And then I moved to LA. Um, but I moved to LA with an acting job, um, which was a dream. I didn't want to move here <laughs> without an acting job. Too many people do that. And it's way too scary. Um, and so a little bit else about me is um, I have two cats that I'm obsessed with. I'm also <laughs> like really into organization. I speak Spanish. I speak a little bit of French and that's definitely a new year's resolution is I want to get back into my French because I feel very rusty. Uh, I've kind of let go of the singing, even though I used to do that. Uh, dancing is another new year's resolution because I used to do that a lot and now I want to get back into it. So um, also don't mind cooking. I say don't mind because it's not like I love it, um, but I do it. Um, and lately I've been doing a lot of it because I'm trying to meal prep this year too. So <laughs> Um, yeah, that's a little bit about me and how I got into acting. Um, I started acting for fun when I was four, you know, just for fun, school plays, that kind of a thing. And that kind of kept going. But it's interesting because I always took it way more serious than all the other kids, you know. And then um, when I was in high school, I remember thinking, oh, no, drama club is like for serious actors. I can't join that. So I just joined choir because I thought choir was a great way to still be creative, but hide amongst a group of people. And then um, my senior year, I realized the drama kids are not even that good. <laughs> like I should totally join drama club and just be the best one. And uh, and that made me realize, wow, this this isn't hard. This is something that, you know, you can devote yourself to and make it great. And I'm already pretty good at it. So then I decided to make it my major in college. That's when I really took it seriously. So I graduated with an acting degree. Um, and though it's not official, I'm basically a minor in like music and dance and production and design, just because I, I, I might be like a credit short of all those other things. I just was so active in college, just did the workforce in New York for a little while while I, while I auditioned. And then I got something in San Diego and I decided to try my luck on the West Coast. I was already doing tons of theater. I did some uh, student films as well, just indie stuff in New York, but lots of theater because that's mostly what the East Coast is known for. And then when I moved out here with the job, it was theater. Go figure. 
It wasn't even TV and film. And I did that in San Diego. And once the contract was up, I didn't want to go back to the East Coast because I'm, you know, born and raised there. I wanted to try my hand at the West Coast and um, I haven't left. So it's been going pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I'll say you've got quite a few impressive credits on your belt, like Grey's Anatomy and a couple Netflix shows you were on Made recently. Uh, can you tell us a bit about uh, your experience on Made? I haven't really watched the show. I, I tried got like halfway through the first episode but I was like this is really this is too much for me (laughs) (laughs) yeah I know it really is I don't think an episode went by that I didn't cry um so made is a limited series show on Netflix that is based on a New York Times bestseller um and it's about domestic violence but here's the thing like even just saying that out loud I feel like wow what a bummer right but it's if I feel like it's not just the physical domestic violence we hear about it's a lot of the mental and the emotional and so watching it myself even I started to see patterns in my relationships and thinking to myself I have felt this way but I've never felt like a victim I just have felt this way and then you multiply it tenfold because of what the protagonist is going through and that's DV you know domestic violence it's really beautiful well-written in fact, it's been nominated for a ton of things, uh, Critics' Choice Awards, Golden Globes, uh, SAG. But regardless, um, the show has been a hit. My role is in episode nine. I'm a guest star. I'm very, very pregnant in the show, so you can't miss me. Not pregnant in real life. It was a prosthetic. but And my character is a catalyst for how the protagonist ultimately changes her life. So I think I play a nice role important role. Yeah, Made was just such an amazing experience because when I booked this, we were still in the midst of the pandemic. I don't know if we were heavily in quarantine, but still felt like we were. Gosh, we've been in this for so long, right? But I booked that earlier last year, almost said this year, but yeah, 2021. And then we went up to Canada to shoot it. And I basically had to quarantine up there. One, because Canada makes you do that. But then after my first two weeks was done with quarantining, I didn't really know anyone. So I was just always in my hotel room until it was time to shoot. So it was very isolating as well. But then being on set, of course, that's where you get to be creative and feel like you're amongst artists. So the filming of it itself was a wonderful experience. And then to know that it's doing as well as that it's doing is really exciting for me. Yeah. And I love the way, like I, even though I only got through the first half of the, you know, first episode, it really does make you think that, you know, domestic violence does go beyond the physical, you know, the, the hitting. And that's, that's usually when you think domestic violence, you think of a battered spouse, which is so important. You know, that's, that's a huge problem, especially in Canada. There's a huge problem for violence against women, but it goes so much beyond that of, like she goes to the social worker and they're like, Oh, you want to file a report? What am I going to do? Call the cops and say, you didn't hit me. It's like so (laughs) many of us have been there, you know, my own marriage. It was like, not a, like the domestic violence, but it was a high conflict marriage. Like you see things like that. And it's just like, you know, I, I I don't think I'm going to be watching this anymore. This is too much, but yeah, yeah, unfortunately, there's a lot of mental manipulation that happens in certain relationships, and it goes above and beyond the typical just not getting along. Um, that's when it starts going into that violent um, category. And like you just mentioned, she does seek help through social services, and she just encounters all these obstacles. And that, too, was an amazing part of the show was just seeing how someone who really wants to get help 
has to now deal with the obstacles of just authorities, you know, because she needs a particular piece of paperwork to get another piece of paperwork, or she needs a job in order to get daycare. It just goes on and on with all these obstacles. And then it's one of the things that viewers of the show will notice that is that there's the, a tally of how much money she has in her pocket in the upper, I think, right-hand corner of the screen. I think most of us who, you know, did not grow up rich know what it's like to be aware of every cent you have and how far you can try to make that stretch. And there's just a mentality that goes around that of, you know, if, if 10 bucks is all I have for the week, then I really need to guard that 10 bucks because I have to get to work. So that's my gas money. And I guess I'm having a hard boiled egg for lunch. You know, a lot of us have been through things like that. So when you watch this series, I feel like even though you haven't been a victim of DV, you can still identify in the circumstances that you're watching, whether you've been through something like that, or you, you, we all know someone who's financially struggling, right? It's just a beautiful show. And, and there's a lot of episodes that are very creatively and artistically um, cinematographically photographed. So when you watch it, you're just like, wow, I, I never realized that they could shoot a scene like, like, like that. I think it's episode eight where she's so in the depths of despair after really giving it a good try to help herself that she ends up going back as many people do. I don't want to say women because also men could be victims of this too, but she goes back and she believes he's trying to get better and be a good person. And when she steps outside of her trailer, she just sees a dense, dense forest. And you realize that's a metaphor for how she feels. She feels like there's so many layers between her and salvation. She can't see the way out, even though the way out is clearly in front of her. The forest is not as dense as she sees it. It's all perspective. Um, so yeah, it's a beautiful show. And I know I'm going on about it, but uh, I only filmed the one episode. I, I only read two episodes because they don't make you privy to all the episodes when you book this, you know, book something as confidential as this. So watching uh, eight out of the 10 episodes was a surprise for me. Yeah, that that was probably, you know, maybe more intense for you having actually been on the set and kind of been a part of it. Yeah, it, it was, especially because when I got to episode eight, which is right before mine, I remember thinking, wait, something's got to give soon because I know what happens in my episode and the circumstances haven't folded yet to, you know, get to the, and then, you know, you just stick with it and you're like, oh, that's how that's going to lead to that. Okay. <laughs> so someone like me, who's been on set, yeah, you might be privy to some information, but just like the rest of the world, I watched most of it without knowing what was going to happen. And I really loved it. So you're probably, you know, a big fan of TV as an actress as well. I have friends who are also, you know, they were in the high school drama club and now they're working in TV. But for maybe someone who's just starting out as an actress, I know you've got like a new side gig going on where you've got great advice that you give. Can you tell us about that? Yes, that's right. I teach acting as well. Um, I'm an acting teacher as well as an acting coach. The difference to me is audition specific is usually more coaching referred. And then um, teaching is teaching the craft of acting. So that's when you have weekly lessons, ongoing classes, that kind of a thing. And then coaching is more specific to an audition for a project someone's auditioning for. Uh, but I do both. I've been actually teaching for a long time. It's interesting. I don't talk about it much when I talk about my acting, because I always want that to be the forefront of everyone's minds when they associate my name to this industry, but I've been teaching all along and it's a wonderful side gig to have had because it's in alignment with my own dreams, right? And aspirations. 
But last year I decided because I was actually teaching so much that I was getting overworked and I've been teaching, believe it or not, for over 20 years. People have a hard time believing that because I look young, but I've been doing this for a really long time. Anyway, last year I just decided, wow, I really need more, more free time and more me time, creative time. So I decided that I was going to pre-record a lot of my lessons and sell them as a series. And so anyone who's already a fan of mine um, can either come to me and choose to buy this as a prerequisite to one-on-ones. So it's not like, like I'm letting go of the one-on-one private classes. It's just, this is a wonderful way for people to kind of just dip their toes in how I teach my style, my vocabulary, and what they would get from me if they were to exclusively have me for a private class, right? The series is divided into 17 videos. And if you go to my website, GloriaGaryUa.com, there's a table of contents. So though I called it acting for true beginners, I feel like this is also good for an intermediate or advanced actor that just needs a refresher. Plus, if, if someone is new to me and doesn't know me and my style, they're a beginner to me, right? So I've actually had not only current students by the series and old friends who have seen me succeed in Hollywood, and they were just interested in seeing what I was teaching, they've purchased the series, and I've gotten really great feedback. People saying, wow, this isn't just for beginners. Um, there's a lot of stuff here that I didn't know. Um, and it's really exciting for me to hear things like that. I try to not make it too dense of a series, right? Because I, my goal is not to overwhelm someone who is interested in acting and hearing these things for the first time. But my goal is to teach the proper way. Because before doing this, I went to YouTube just to see, hey, are other people doing this? And yes, there are tons of videos on YouTube teaching people how to act, but they're all out of sequence. They're all, there's no progression. There's no concrete series from beginning to end with a teacher's style. And so that's what I created. So if someone were to come to me and, and pay for privates from point A to point Z, I was able to consolidate and put it all in a series, uh, what they would normally get from me. Of course, you don't get me there holding your hand. So that's the difference. Um, but, you know, we've all been learning new things during the pandemic. So I thought well, this would be a wonderful way for people to just stay home and learn acting. And then after they finish the series, my goal is that they have the confidence to now join a group acting class. This should not replace, of course not, because to me, acting uh, requires two elements, the performer and the audience. So if you're acting at home all day long, <laughs> that's not the same thing as being a performer. You do need the audience aspect. So being in a classroom and having that teacher or even the other group of people sitting there watching is essential to growing as an artist. But some people just really need that push off point. And so I'm hoping that the series will be that for people. I feel very confident in it. I mean, not just because I created it, but I, you know how much I watched it over and over again to really fix the editing. And also I, I had my own friends watch. And then, like I said, I've had people purchase the series already and give great feedback. So I feel very good about it. Um, right now I priced it at $29.99 a month. So it's really inexpensive. There's no excuse for someone who's curious. And I thought through that a lot, you know, because to me it's worth thousands of dollars, but um, um, I figure, you know, kind of like a Netflix subscription, you keep it as long as you feel you need it. And when you think you've got everything out of it, then you can cancel. But, you know, life happens. So sometimes a month goes by and you're like, oh, I never got around to that class. So um, it's at a low enough price point that no one's going to regret purchasing it and it doesn't break the bank. Um, 
because, you know, private classes are actually very expensive and, and group acting classes are expensive too. They're always going to be cheaper than privates, but they're expensive too. And if someone is new at this, I think prices alone can shock <laughs> people, but I look at it as an investment. I mean, once you do take this very seriously, you're always going to be spending money somewhere, headshots, wardrobe for auditions, um, editing for reels, um, or even just like workshops with casting directors but it's all an investment. So I, uh, again, I just want to send people to the website so they can decide for themselves if this is something they want to do, uh, GloriaGaryUa.com. And what sort of topics do you cover in your online series? Let's see, I don't have it in front of me and I created this a while ago, but it's basically things like um, the essentials of comedy and essentials of drama. Uh, what are objectives? what is a moment before, what is a moment after. And these are terms that many actors should be familiar with, but someone who's brand new will have no idea. And also even an established actor will go, oh, that's right. I often forget to do the moment before for an audition because um, it happens to the best of us. You get so involved in character development and then you forget the basic stuff, right? Right, what is my character doing before she opens her mouth at the beginning of the scene, right? So that's what a moment before is. Um, uh, I do go into character development a lot. I also go into how to visually look at a script and figure out what it is as far as genre. Um, so single cam comedy and multi-cam comedy look very different on paper and a theater published play looks very different than a screenplay. So you can often save yourself so much time by just knowing these things before you lay eyes on a script um, if you know what you're looking for. Um, yeah, so there's 17 topics in there. So um, I wish I had it up. But yeah, if people just take a look there, they'll see, oh, this is actually quite involved. So yeah. Sounds like it might even be helpful for people who want to get into TV and movie writing. Actually, I thought about that myself, too, because when I started talking about um, the differences in the writing style, I thought, well, I'm not a writer, but I only know this through acting for as long as I've been acting and picking up on these differences. Like a multicam script will have in parentheses the names of the characters in that scene. Nobody else does that. Um, and there might be some differences in like thrillers versus um, horrors, but because I'm not a writer, oh, you are, <laughs> you're an author. Although I, I don't know if, if you write screenplays, um, but I'm sure that there's... Um, a layout for that. And I don't need to know that. And actors don't need to know that in order to do their work. But when it comes to the two genres, drama and comedy, it really is helpful to know, okay, I'm dealing with a single cam comedy right now. So I should definitely make my choices subtle, even though I still have to be funny. Whereas multicam, oh, okay, it's double spaced. I know that I, this is multicam. I have to be a little more animated. You still need to be grounded um, depending on the genre, like I recently auditioned for something that was very hokey, very tongue in cheek. If I know that that's the genre, it's okay to act up. But if that's not the genre, I really shouldn't be right. So you have to know what you're working in, um, the tone of the piece. And um, one of the things I do talk to my private students about is the importance of research, because if you're familiar with a specific writer's history or director's history, there's usually a pattern to how they direct or write. Um, there's a tone. Of course, there'll be variations, but 
if you know, okay, I'm auditioning for Michael Bay, <laughs> like I know, or Cohen Brothers, I know the style that I have to bring to this. And then again, you might get a specific note from casting saying, actually, we're going opposite the typical style, you know, so you have to really be open to reading every little detail sent to you and then doing a little research on your own, in addition to your own interpretation. And that's what, sh- what makes you an artist. So it is a lot of work. I think a lot of people think that acting is just glamorous. You know, you step on a red carpet and get paparazzi taking pictures and then you make a lot of money. It's not, it's, it's, um, it's actually quite a humbling uh, journey trying to emulate uh, human behavior, which means you have to be a good, good observer of life, uh, a good listener and um, try to mimic and then, of course, you can have fun and create your own sketches and that kind of a thing. But I'm not a sketch person. Um, I have experience with improv. I'd always prefer just dealing with the scripted stuff. That's me. Everyone's different. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, it's been so great chatting with you, Gloria. Um, could you tell us where people can find you on social media? Yes, absolutely. So pretty much everywhere, Gloria, Gary, Ua. So uh, my last name is special, <laughs> right? Everyone misspells it, but it's G-A-R-A-Y-U-A. And I'm mostly active on Instagram, a little bit of Facebook. I'm not on Snapchat. <laughs> I'm trying to do the TikTok thing, but that's uh, hard. I'm just a different generation. Um, and uh, hardly on Twitter, but mostly Instagram. Yeah. So Gloria, Gary, Ua. Last but not least, let's talk about barefooting. My barefoot adventures this week have mostly been hospital excursions. Yay, hubby surgery. Some nurses and doctors couldn't care less about me not having shoes on so long as I'm wearing a mask. Others freak right out and bring me a pair of those stupid paper booties. As if those are going to protect my feet from the nasty stuff they're afraid of me stepping in. One nurse scolded me for being barefoot in the hospital and told me that's how people pick things up, take them home, and get sick. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wouldn't your shoes be stepping in the same things? And do people not also take their shoes home? I at least wash my feet. When was the last time you washed your shoes? Anyway, that's all for this episode. I'll be back next week with an interview with Juana White, lead singer of Austrian band Ardenite. If you have any questions or comments, you can email me, sierrathebarefootgirl at gmail.com. Thank you to Legion X for my intro and outro music. You can find me on Twitter at Sierra Barefoot on TikTok at Sierra is Barefoot, and on Instagram, Sierra the Barefoot. All of my books are available on Amazon and on my website, sierrathebarefootgirl.com. My Patreon for my comics is patreon.com slash possumpete. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening. And until next time, this has been Barefooting with Sierra. <laughs>